The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with your host, Ty Maynard. We're the starting point for sales professionals and business owners who want to gain more clients, score higher margins, and not be left behind in sales and business. Now, here's Ty Maynard. Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard, where I will goal every week is to assist you in your quest to be the best in sales, business, and life. And we're going to continue to bring you top shelf guests who has uh, ideas, techniques, strategies, tips, and tools to assist you in reaching your objectives and making more money. And the topic of today's show is the return on investment, the ROI of social selling, and we're talking about social media selling. And a recent study identified that 72.6% of salespeople using social selling strategies outperformed their sales peers and exceeded their quotas 23% more often. Also, it identified that top social sellers also tracked back their activities to close deals, five or more. But there's more to being a successful seller in today's digitally wired 24-7 connected world than clicking on a few buttons in LinkedIn or Twitter. Using social media today is important for brand building, networking, prospecting, sales calls, researching, establishing, and influencing capabilities is only part of the equation. The bottom line today is if you can't sell using social media, you limit your ability to close opportunities. My guest today is Barb Gian Monco. And let me tell you a little bit about her. She is an amazing lady. Barb heads up social centered selling. She's the co author of The New Handshake Sales Meets Social Media, the first book published on social selling. She's also the author of the Harvard Business Review article Tweet Me, Friend Me, Make Me Buy, published in July of 2012. Her first-of-its-kind research report, Social Media and Sales Quota, proves the measurable return on investment when using social media to sell. Evangelizing the use of social media for selling since 2006, Barb is known internationally as a thought leader in the social business. She is a sought-after sales and social media advisor, speaker, and coach. She's also a contributing writer and blogger for Top Sales World, Social Selling University, Harvard Business Review, and the Sales Thought Leader blog. She's recognized by Inside View as one of the top 25 influential leaders in sales, a top 25 sales influencer on Twitter, and one of Sales World's 2014 top 50 sales and marketing influencers. And her LinkedIn profile ranks 
in the top 1% of profiles viewed. Barb, I would like to welcome you to the show. Thanks, Ty. You make me sound so important. Well, you are, and I am excited to have you on, on the show. And my goal every week, as I said, Barb, is just to give my listeners who are sales professionals, business owners, entrepreneurs, just insight on how they can be more efficient and more effective. So to get us started, my first question is, you know, obviously you've been selling professionally for many years. What changes have you seen in the sales arena, Barb? Well, the interesting thing is I've seen a lot of things that have changed um, and maybe some shouldn't. But some of the changes, obviously, Ty, relate to technology. So I'm young enough to remember a time before we had digital phones and before we had emails and people actually answered their telephones and you could have those phone conversations. You know, another thing that's been a big change, uh, which I'm sure you'll appreciate as well, is back in the day, we used to go to the library. Uh, you know, a lot of folks today don't understand what that is. That was that brick building you used to go to to pull those right. books off the shelf, right, to do your your homework and research, and you did the best you could, but you couldn't do, uh, you know, you were never working with accurate, up-to-date information. I'd say the other change is that we were mostly restricted to our sales geographies and relied on those interpersonal networks we built with the people in our local geographies. Um, You know, that was at a point, unless you were doing a lot of traveling, it was really hard to kind of extend beyond your uh, local community and, and geography. Some of the other things that I'm seeing, though, um, Ty, that, that are changes that I think I don't want us to be seeing is that I think we're seeing a decline in really great basic selling skills. And I worry, I actually fear, that technology is causing some of our sellers to be a little bit lazy. Right, right. You know, and we talked about that the other day, and I see that a lot also. And that's also generational, wouldn't you say? I think some of it is generational, but I also, you know, I always hesitate with that because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not a 30-something anymore, so I've learned to be very proficient using social. I did have the benefit of uh, getting some great training and some great uh, skills development through the years, and I also invested a lot in my own sales development. I didn't wait for, you know, I wanted to be an awesome seller, right? And so I didn't wait for my company to invest in me. But to your point, there is no question about it that the younger generation, the millennials, they just don't want to pick up the telephone. You know, right. They just want to tweet. They just want to text. And wouldn't it be awesome if that's the way that you could close business, but in the world I live in, which is B2B selling, more complex sales, I mean, unless you're selling a low-cost widget, I just can't imagine, Ty, um, you know, how you can close business without actually talking to people. What do you think? I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you because that's one of the, the things that I hear in many cases from executives of organizations who have a lot of uh, younger uh, sales professionals uh, where they are doing the instant messaging, they're doing the, the texting, and, the, and they want them to have some type of vocal interaction with the client. So the client uh, can actually see their personality, can hear their voice inflection, can determine their passion. Those are some things you really can't gauge from, from text. Oh, my gosh, not at all. And, and, and I also put the responsibility back on the employer, though, too. 
They're not right. investing in that kind of training. So they're putting money behind making sure that their sellers understand the features and benefits of the product, but they're not actually getting the good, basic, interpersonal communication skills. And, you know, and I was just finishing up a blog post about this in which I was saying, so, you know, even when they do pick up the phone, they don't have the good interpersonal skills. They don't actually know how to listen and respond to questions appropriately. They've maybe not done enough of their business homework and understand some of the relevant business issues. They're kind of taught to read off a script and pitch a demo. And that's, you know, again, I can only think of very few industries where that's going to be successful. Uh, I don't see that, you know, a lot in my world. So, you know, the, the, the concern then that I end up having about this notion of social selling, which so many now so-called experts have, have become zealots about it, is that they almost sort of advocate that you never need to talk to somebody, which is it's just not true. I mean, I... Right. You're a longtime sales professional, and I have some really awesome clients. Now, I don't need to necessarily meet them all face-to-face, but I have yet to close any kind of deal sending back and forth Twitter direct messages. And so I just, I just think that employers need to think about that, and they need to think about giving people the training and not assume that they understand how to do it. Um, so... But, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, how does that work, actually, Ty? You get a young millennial in a room with an executive like their, yourself, and they don't really know how to talk to you personally. What are they going to do, just text you across the table? I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, one of the things I say is, in order to sell John Smith what John Smith buys, you must first see John Smith through John Smith's eyes. Absolutely. So, there are some clients who will prefer less verbal communication, and they will... Uh, be more inclined to work with you if you sell to them to the way they like to be sold to. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. There still has to be some type of either face-to-face or, or vocal communication on the telephone. And, you know, we have a, uh, about five minutes before we have to go to our first break, but I just want to hear from your perspective. When did you know that salespeople would be impacted by social media? Well, that's an awesome question. So I retired from my corporate career and, uh, and made the decision to move on to my next passion in life, which was starting my own business. I had, had a great career and uh, made the determination to, to uh, jump off from my Microsoft career and then move into my own business. Well, because I'm very passionate about technology and I love it so much and I love it for how it can help us be more effective, I always pay attention to technology. And so, you know, it was about two years after I'd left the company, and it was in mid-2003, I'd heard about this networking site called LinkedIn. Uh-huh. And I'd already kind of been investigating some of the really early blogging tools, which I just felt were like people just putting their whole personal diary online, which seemed really odd to me, and so I just wasn't really connecting the dots there yet. But in 2003... When I first got signed up with LinkedIn, I realized, though it was really focused on the job seeker piece of it, immediately I said, but if people can use a tool like LinkedIn to network for the next job opportunity, why couldn't they use a tool like LinkedIn to start sourcing new sales opportunities? So it was very early, and LinkedIn doesn't look like what it did back in that day, uh, but that's the moment when I realized uh-huh. The, so, the social media um, technologies, these digital technologies, they're not gonna, only going to shake up marketing and impact marketing, but absolutely just like email 
and cell phones and other ways of communication sort of shook up how salespeople had doing, you know, been doing business before. That's exactly what I saw was going to happen with social media. Right. Okay. And I and, and I, I can see that also. Now you you wrote a a book, The New Handshake: Sales Meets Social Media. That was uh, published about four years ago. I mean, we we know things are happening so rapidly right now. Tee us up. We're going to take a break in a couple of minutes, but tee us up. What changes have occurred since you wrote your book four, four years ago? Well, I think the biggest change, obviously, is just the expansion and the just explosion of the size of the networks. Uh, you know, I think when we were finally forced to turn in the, the, the final edits for the book and they said no more, at the, that point, LinkedIn had 80 million users. Think about that. They're over 300 million now. So a lot of the numbers changed. Uh, some of those newer technologies kind of came and went. You know, what didn't really change is the core strategies, my belief about what it takes to be successful. And then I think the other thing that's changed quite a bit is that as people have woken up to the fact that you've, you've got to learn how to integrate social as part of an overall sales process, we started to have a lot of what I would call posers and so-called experts showing up trying to make a buck off the term social selling. So we can probably talk about that a little bit more when we come back, but those are some of the initial things that have changed in the four years since the book was published. Okay, so very good. We're going to continue with that when we come back. And then you talked about, uh, we, we're going to follow up with the three keys that you talked about to successfully using social media to sell. Absolutely. And, and what they are. So uh, it's time for our first break. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard. Our topic today is the ROI, the return on investment of social selling. And my guest is Barb Giamonco. And just stay tuned and we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point of view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're 
listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at tymaynardgroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard, and my guest today is Barb Giamonco, and we're talking about the return on investment of social selling. Okay, Barb, you were talking about, before the break, some of the changes that you were seeing since your book that you wrote four years ago. Uh, Continue with that. Absolutely. I would say another big change, Ty, is now we have the ability to really quantify how using social as part of your overall sales process really can deliver uh, a demonstrable return. Um, Even though we were able to come up with some early case studies and show that people who were engaging in using social as part of their, uh, as, as, as an overall part of their sales process, which you'll keep hearing me refer to, um, we still didn't have a lot of uh, success stories that could really tie it back to revenue. And at the end of the day, that's what every sales VP wants to know. They want to know if the activities that their reps are focused on is going to drive you know, pipeline and revenue. So that's been a big change. Now we really can do a lot more to quantify, measure, and track. And so that is one bone I have to pick, though, with a lot of so-called experts. They never really talk about that. Have a great profile, share some content, and boom, sales are just going to magically roll in. And so it doesn't work that way, right? So those, that, that creates false expectations in people's mm-hmm. minds. And so I love the title of your show. And here's why I love the title of your show. Because I do believe that sales requires some patience, but at the same time, if you're just sitting there sending out a few tweets or a few yaks on LinkedIn and you're just waiting for the sales to come in, it's just not going to happen. Right. Right. So that kind of leads to, uh, you know, what you queued up in terms of the keys to success. And I believe, just take social media out of the equation entirely, I believe that being a good seller still comes back to these things. Strategy, skills, and execution. So when you think about using social media as part of that process, you really have to think about it strategically. Who is the prospect? What do they care about? Will they use social? Where are they on social? All these questions you know, have to be answered. And then, of course, you need to think upfront about the things that you're going to want to measure and track. Is it the expanded size of the network with the right types of executives? I'm not a fan of building numbers. What good does that really do if it's not the qualified decision maker? You know, and you want to think about all those uh, things, and then you'll choose the right tools. I mean, Ty, I hear people coming to me, and they say, I just heard some experts say, I have to be on Google+. And I say, no, you need to be where your customer and your prospect is likely to be. If they're not on Google+, you don't need to worry about that right now. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that is really important. Second, get training. I mean, I think, and and this falls on the employer as well, I think sales leaders need to recognize that you can't expect your people will figure out how to use LinkedIn as an example effectively by clicking on buttons. There is a strategic way to do it. 
And then the final piece is that consistent execution, which I'm confident you would agree, that's no different than great selling anyway. I mean, you can't make one phone call and think that's going to materialize into a deal, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And the training part is is extremely critical, as you said. And as as you say, it, it would be beneficial for corporations to invest in their people and help them get the knowledge that can help them be more successful. Then also create uh, some type of model where there's follow-up. But even if the company doesn't do it, then that person is responsible for their own success. So then they need to seek out. Uh, the training and development on their own. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, well, there's no question about that. You know, I've always said that sales rock stars, and I'm going to put myself and you in that category, we invest in ourselves. I'm betting you, like I have done all through the years, I have invested thousands and thousands of dollars in my own development. It could be books, back Absolutely. in the day, listening to audio tapes in the car. Um, you know, a day doesn't go by that I'm not reading something. <laughs> to help me expand my knowledge and, you know, my business acumen. Now, you know, and because I'm very open to learning, I don't, I don't, yes, I have great sales skills. Do I learn something every single day by listening to other people? You bet I do. So I would say to anybody who, and one of the things, by the way, when we mentioned that ROI of uh, selling, and you mentioned the research report that I uh, put together with my colleague Jim Keenan, what became really clear is that those sellers who were integrating social as part of their sales process were absolutely without question, for three years running, outperforming their peers. And yet the large majority, I think it was close to 70%, said they weren't even getting training. So that tells you something right there. Top sellers were going out and getting training and starting to learn for themselves. I say to sales leaders, what would happen if you started investing more intentionally? And I mean, get beyond one LinkedIn training. This is like any other learning and development program. It needs to be sustained and consistent, and it's, it's got to be a process. It just cannot be an event, and unfortunately, I think that happens a lot. You took the words out of my mouth. It has to be <laughs> ongoing development versus a training event. And that's what I ask a lot of clients. I say, so are you interested in a training event or are you committed to ongoing development? Interested or committed, <laughs> you know? Uh, so we're on the same page with that. Well, let me well, ask and you I this. like that. Oh, I ahead. like interested or committed. And, and I'll tell you, Ty, I got to a point a couple of years ago where I put a solid stake in the ground and I said, I'm not taking on that kind of work for my company. So somebody And I do get the calls, will you come in and do a two-hour LinkedIn training and a sales meeting? And I will say, I'm not the right person for you because all that's going to do is maybe get a little bit of awareness going on in somebody's mind, but it's not going to lead to anything. So if you don't have some strategy and a process for the ongoing training that's going to support that after the fact, I'm not the right person, but let me help you get the right person. And that's important to me because I know what it takes, and it's going to take 12 to 18 months for people to put these new habits and these new actions into practice and to really get that success, and it just becomes part of the DNA. If the company is not interested in helping to support making that happen, then I already know it's not going to be successful and I don't want to take people's money. I really want to see them get success with this. Exactly. 
Exactly. And and I have the same philosophy. The exact same philosophy. I don't want to be a part of something that's that's doomed from the beginning. You know, because that's our reputation as well. So well, absolutely. And, you know, I think, though, Ty, I think it's uh, so when we were talking earlier this week, we knew we had many common, uh, you know, common things that we really agreed upon. And I think that, you know, forget what I do in business. I've always been this way. I was never the chick who just took a paycheck. I, I really wanted to make a difference. I wanted to work for a company and a culture I believed in. I wanted to sell products I believed in. And I was just never that person who would take a paycheck. Um, now, so maybe I'm a little more of a risk taker, but I will tell you that in the early days before I really um, got jump-started in my technology sales career, you know, I tried a couple things that I realized didn't work for me, and I was willing to move on. The check wasn't important to me. I felt like if I wasn't contributing and making a difference, then just taking the money didn't feel right. You were, okay, all right. There's a, there's some synergy here, and this is good. So I already know. Uh, I'm just letting you know now. You will be back, okay? <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> just, just, just count on that. Uh, but we have a few more minutes sure. before our, our, our next break, Barb. And I'm just curious, what are uh, some of the top mistakes that salespeople are making when selling today from your perspective? Absolutely. A number one, they're looking for a shortcut. Okay. And so... There, there's a difference between not just, you know, being patiently waiting for something to roll in and kind of rest on your laurels, but there is a difference between making a connection with someone on LinkedIn and thinking that automatically grants you the right to send a sales pitch. So I would say that's one mistake. Another mistake is broadcast. So broadcast spam. Uh, in fact, I'm going to release an ebook that I think is going to be wildly popular, but for the past year I've been collecting email sales messages sent to me, and I've been gathering them from a lot of my um, colleagues. Because the next big mistake is I don't believe that salespeople and or the marketers writing messages on their behalf are really, truly considering the impact of the messages they are sending out on behalf of their, their company. And, 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 you know, and that's a problem because that old-fashioned saying about you never get a second chance to make a good first impression Right. Well, trust me when I tell you, in the world of digital, that is far more true. You send me some random, ridiculous email that has nothing to do with me, I'm going to remember that. I'm never going to give you the time of day again. And if you are really annoying, I'm probably going to tell oh, a bunch of my colleagues not to pay attention. So that broadcast messaging, I think, is it. And, and then I think there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a balance, as I said, with the patience. You know, at least this hasn't happened to me. I mean, you know, but I'm not Britney Spears, but I have yet to go on a date with somebody and then get married the next day. Uh And you have to think about relationships today in the same exact way. It takes a little bit of time. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but you don't go from, hi, Ty, my name is Barb Giamanco, now let me sell you all my stuff. So I think that's a, that's, a, that's a huge mistake. And then I also think that, you know, again, the, the top one mistake absolutely is people look for shortcuts, and I wish they existed. I believe, based on my experience, there are ways to kind of uh, move things a little more quickly along in your sales process, but looking for some quick fix that's going to lead you to the next deal, thinking you don't have to put in the work, sorry, doesn't work that way. I agree with you, you know, because 
today, uh, you're right. You're not going to close something as a rule on the first meeting unless it's a pack of gum. Okay, something really <laughs> transactional. But if it's something where you want uh, repeat business and a long-term relationship, uh, it requires diligence. And you Absolutely. know the, the name of the the name of the show is "Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something." And I'm not talking about being impatient. I'm talking about being proactive, yes. being consistent, and being diligent. So, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, but, you know, we got uh, a break that's coming up. So what I'm going to do is before we just go ahead and get started something else and then break, because, Barb, my, my audience knows this. I call this the fastest hour of the week. <laughs> and you're, you're a part of it this week. So thank you for that. But it's, it's time for us to take... Another short break you're listening to, Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard. My guest today is Barb Giamonco, and we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. With co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless, Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard, and my guest today is Barb Giamonco. And we're talking about the ROI, the return on investment of using social media as a selling tool, as a selling strategy. And, and, and Barb, I have a, a question for you. How does the trust factor enter into the sales equation today? Well, that's a great question because uh, I think trust is 
far more important today than it's ever been. I mean, you know that old saying, Ty, about people do business with people that they know, like, and trust? Right. That has never been more important than it is today. And just before the break, we were talking about some of the common mistakes, and one of the biggest I said was this, this notion of trying to shortcut the process, but also broadcasting pitches. And that doesn't build trust. So when you have trust in relationships, when people know that you are really trying to do the right thing for their business, when you've, you've done enough homework to try and understand what their business is, you're mindful that your product or service can really help solve a problem and you're not just focused on trying to sell something, that builds a lot of trust. And contrary to what people might think, it actually moves the sales process along pretty quickly. And so one thing that social can do to help you, by the way, is believe it or not, through your writing, through your sharing of content, through a giving mindset and helping others, people see that and you start to build a little bit of what I call virtual trust. They start to see that you have credibility. And then when they make a decision that they want to talk to you and you then support that by not rolling into a pitch, but you talk about what's important to them, then all of a sudden you really demonstrated that you care. Now, the irony is this has always been part of great selling. I just think that people are so much more skeptical today. Buyers and decision makers are so much more skeptical, and they they unfortunately will often kind of come in with a non-trusting sort of attitude until you prove that you're somebody who really cares about giving and helping first. Wow. You know, that just reminded me in one of my courses, when I talk about pursuing top level executives, I I basically said there are four questions they're asking themselves about you. And they need to say yes to all four questions before they will either uh, refer you down through their organization or refer you to their colleagues, their sphere of influence. And the first question is, can I trust you? Right. You know, were you on time for the appointment? Did you send me what you said you were going to send me? Uh, Does someone I know, uh, did they have a favorable experience with you? And the other one is, do you know what you're talking about? Do you seem to have a working knowledge of your company, your industry? Do you have to seem to have a working knowledge of my company my industry, which means did you do your homework? Did you establish a coach, someone who could give you insight into my organization and my industry? And the third is, do you care about me as a person or just what I can do for you? And we, I'm sure you've had salespeople where, where you sensed the only concern was getting the money out of your wallet. <laughs> and the last question I, they're asking is, are you committed? Do you are you passionate about what you're doing, what your product, your services? And what I normally say is if they can't answer yes to all four of those, can I trust you? Do you know what you're talking about? Do you care about me as a person? Are you committed? If they can't answer yes to all four of those questions, chances are they're not going to do business with you. Right. A- absolutely. And I, I I'm gonna personally zero in on the third one, Ty, because I really believe this, and I had a, a, a former sales colleague at, uh, at, at one of the corporations I worked with who his team was having a lot of trouble with numbers, and his answer was just to pound on them harder, right? Make more calls, spend more time, do more of this. And I kept saying, you know, 
you kind of back off them a little bit and you take care of the people, uh, you know, they're going to take care of the situation. And he, you know, said I was too airy-fairy and, oh, my gosh, but I was making quota, right? And so I, I just really believe that people know whether or not you care. And in recent blog posts, I have said salespeople need to care that what they sell does no harm. Mm-hmm. And that's been true in all the years I've been uh, selling much to one of my first managers' chagrin. You know, I'm talking with a, a customer, could have been a big order. After really listening to what he needed, our product didn't do what he needed, and I wouldn't sell it. I just wouldn't do it. I mean, because I said, what's the purpose in that? First, I'll, the, the, the customer will lose faith in me. They'll say, well, she just wanted to try and sell something to make her tw- quota. Second, it's going to be returned. That's going to look bad. And so, you know, I personally think that if we, and, and who doesn't know when you're being sold, right? You know it, Ty. I know it. Right. <laughs> Customers know it. And so I think that while some people want to suggest that, oh, that's just, you know, um, I personally believe that the whole giving mindset makes a huge difference. I've always believed it, and I have to just give a plug for one of my favorite books from Bob Berg, which is called The Go-Giver. Oh, yes, I have that. I, I mean, I love it. I keep extra copies on my shelf to give to people. It's a it's 100 pages, so worth reading, because it tells the, the wonderful story about a salesperson who early on is all about, what can I sell, and how can I sell it faster? And then... He's not getting anywhere until finally he gets exposed to this idea of giving first and being helpful, knowing that the rust will take care of itself. And then the other thing I think plays into trust high is there's so much the tendency for salespeople when they even get to sales meeting, the tendency is to want to roll into the pitch. And I'll just, you know, it happens in every call that I'm on, but I had a great call with a, a, a potential customer who sought me out for a variety of reasons. You know, we had an hour-long phone call, and we didn't talk anything about the services my company might be able to provide until probably the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, on a, one of my earlier shows, I talked about, I made a connection with a, a top executive in the Tampa area, and I asked him, I said, what do you enjoy doing that you haven't had a chance to do in recent, recently or in recent years? And he said, I enjoy sporting clays. You know, getting out there with this shotgun, and you say pull, and this clay target goes flying in the air, and you try to <laughs> break it into a million smithereens. So I, within three days, I had him on a sporting clays range, and we just went out there and shot the range, and we didn't talk business at all. We talked business the last five minutes back of walking back to the station. And that's what I did for probably, we did it every other week. And I did that for probably three months. We just enjoyed each other, built a personal relationship, talked business the last five minutes of walking back to the station. And I developed a really lifetime relationship and lifetime client by, doing, by working that way. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and so now when social media and social selling enters the picture, it's no different. Social just gives you clues about what's important to that individual. Now, you know, they don't always share that on, on, on uh, LinkedIn, but, you, you know, more and more people are getting comfortable with sharing the causes they believe in or the 
where they went to school or the awards that they've won. And you find those points of commonality. And I think that the best sales calls, I talk about this in relation to networking events as well, I go to a networking event not to work the room and hand out a bunch of business cards. I go to the event to try and connect with three to five people, have meaningful conversations, and my goal is always to have them ask me for my card. And and it, this is so hard, type for salespeople. They just they're so trained. Like, well, let me just tell you all about my stuff, and that's going to do it without recognizing that. This is a people business, folks. People relate to humans. And by the way, there's one thing that we've left a little bit unsaid here, which is careers can be on the line. And that's no joke. I sell into sales and marketing organizations, and the life cycle of a VP of sales or the life cycle of a chief marketing officer can be 16 to 18 months. And Mm. so if you're not really focused on caring about that, you know, their career can be harmed if they trust you and it completely flops, right? Because they're the ones that's going to look bad. You've got you've gotten your check and, and they're out of a job. So for me, it's really personal that way in that you want to get to know the people, care about what's important to them, and then the business part of it happens. And my guess is that in the example you just gave, you know, by the time you had your five minutes of business, his decision was already made. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. And it wasn't about features or benefits or we can give you this great price. And, in fact, that's a whole other discussion. At that point, price is usually even pretty much irrelevant. You both just agree to do what's fair and you work, you know, you work with each other and, and all that sort of thing. So, for me, the, the trust piece of it is critically important and I'm not sure what's happened in our society where people seem to be more cold and less caring in that particular way, uh, but I just think that if you're going to be successful, I don't care what you do, if you're going to be successful, put the people first, care about what matters to them first, you know, it goes a long way. So I, I, I'm now going to really date myself, but, you know, one of my most favorite books when I was a kid, I read... Uh, you know, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yep, we know it well. <laughs> right, and not much has changed since he wrote that. Care about the people. Zig Ziglar went on to do the same thing. Care about others. Help them get what's important to them, and you always end up being a winner. And that that's my philosophy. They, my audience has heard me say this two billion times, but just focus on making a difference, and the dollars will follow. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. All right, well, we have one more segment, segment coming up, and I, I want to talk about a statistic that was, that was given. Now, you said that uh, uh, some sales leaders have predicted that by 2020, as much as 70 to 80% of salespeople will no longer be needed. Uh, <laughs> Do you think that's true, and, and what is causing that shift? Uh, kind of tee us up for that, because we have a couple of minutes left before we go to break. Well, first of all, I don't think it's true. I mean, there are roughly 15 billion you know, salespeople in the United States, and so do I think 80% of them will no longer be needed? No. Uh, and I think often when people use that statistic, they're thinking more along the lines of an Amazon model which sort of gets okay. back to our much earlier conversation where we said not too much sales interaction was necessary. Yeah, I don't really need a lot of sales interaction to buy a book, okay? Right. Um, however, I do believe 
that we're going to probably see a decline of at least 40 to 50% of people who currently are in sales roles today. They're not going to be here in 2020 unless they change their approach. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. And the, the best approach, what should they be considering changing their approach to if they are on, aren't on top of their game? Well, everything we've been talking about. If you want to keep, if your playbook is all about being the demo dolly and, 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 and doing the show up and throw up in somebody's office with the feature dump, well, God bless you, you go for that, but nobody's <laughs> going to care about you in, in six years. Okay. The, the people in 2020 who are going to be what I'm going to call free agent salespeople, and I really think of it, if you think about team sports, I think they may be free agents. They're going to command top dollar because companies will hire them to do the consultative and business, uh, you know, sort of advisory selling that's going to be required. You're selling books, maybe it doesn't matter. You're selling B2B uh, complex technology solutions, you better believe it matters. Excellent, excellent. And on that note, we're gonna we're gonna take our final break, Barb. Okay. Are you listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something? I am your host. My guest is Barb Giamonco, and we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. How is your plan going? Could you use a little help on your path to success? Why not step up and play big? Join host Chris Ruisi for a show that will help you identify the possibilities that await you. Too many people succumb to just being average when they could be exceeding average without too much more effort. It's time for you to become exceptional. Raise the bar to your success. Basically, it's time for you to step up and play big. Join Chris Ruisi every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at tymaynergroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R group.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard. My guest is Barb Giamonco. Now, Barb, you know, we're about to wrap up the show, and we covered a lot of really good concepts and information. Uh, I'm just curious if there was one thing you wanted 
the audience to remember, walk away from with our from our conversation and execute or apply, what would that be? I think the one thing is that technology cannot sell for you. Okay. You've got to have great people and interpersonal skills. It all flows from there, right? You've got to have you've got to have good sales process skills. There's no question about that. But I tell you what, if you connect with people and they trust you and you care that selling what you sell doesn't do harm to their business, but it actually improves on what they're doing, it makes that other person look good. All of that stuff falls into place. But that's the one thing I want people to, to, to realize, and that's the thing that sometimes is frustrating for me when I look at all the so-called experts who talk about social selling. Technology doesn't sell. Your whole purpose, hopefully, is that you're using technology as another vehicle in addition to great offline strategies like speaking or being a guest on shows like what you do, Ty, to get an opportunity to give something of value and share credibility. But if you think that you can sit at your computer all day and crank out some LinkedIn in-mails and that's going to lead to selling, it's just not going to happen. Right? It's just not going to happen. So that's the big thing. Technology has a place, but I like to say, Ty, that's like putting gas in the car. But if I still don't have a road map and I don't drive my car in the right direction, having a gas doesn't matter. Excellent point. Excellent point. You know, along with that, uh, you said technology will not sell for you. I like to add technology is also not going away. <laughs> you know? Very that, Go ahead. Because, I mean, there, there are people who... They are the resistors. They just don't want to do it, and if I ignore it, it'll go away. It's, it's not going away. I mean, how would you like to respond to that? Well, I would say that they were probably the same people who said they'd never do business over email. They probably said nobody would ever do phone calls, you know, from their car. You know, and eventually those folks either come around or they kind of fade out. But you're absolutely right, because here's the thing. At a bare minimum, barrier, you know, you know your, your ticket to entry you got to at least have a decent social profile, especially if you sell into business-to-business on, on LinkedIn. Have a compelling profile that shares a message that speaks to what the buyer cares about. And they don't care about your resume, and they don't care about your sales awards. They care about the results you can deliver and you know what you can do for them. But that's a minimum. If you don't even have presence, and we know that buyers and decision-makers 60 to 70 to 80% of the time start seeking out information about possible solutions to their problems and they land on your profile and it's blank, why would they want to talk to you? So I think from that perspective, I'm glad you brought that point up, that you do have to be there, at least care about your brand and communicate a message that you're a professional that delivers results. The rest to get more proactive with it and such and learn how to use it as part of your networking and prospecting and lead gen and all that. You can you can definitely learn how to do that. But at a minimum, here's what I used to my some of my early training programs, Ty, I would say, you know, get LinkedIn or get locked out. And that's kind of the harsh <laughs> reality of it. <laughs> that's good. You know, I'm going to use that, and I'll give you credit the first three or four times. I said, you know, <laughs> you I learned this from a friend of mine named Barb. 
but yeah. after the fourth or fifth time, I say, you know, I've always said, get linked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I believe in giving. Take it and run with it. But really, I mean, in, in truth, that is the reality. People That's are good. being locked out of sales opportunities without even realizing it. So we absolutely know people are doing their research and their homework. And we absolutely know that people have what I call the, 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 the fast food drive-by mentality. They land on your profile as blank, boom, who else is on the list that I can take a look at? So if you want the opportunity to capture attention, at least create a decent presence, and I can't stress strongly enough, it's not your resume. You need to talk about how do you, you know, increase revenue, how do you uh, save them time, how do you help them make money. And, and that can be through all kinds of ways, but focus on what they care about. Don't make it about, hey, I'm so great. Look at all these awesome things I've done. And I have to say, that's been hard for sales teams I've had to coach where they were so proud of their, well, I've been a president's club five years in a row. Well, you know what? I've never, never met a decision maker yet who cared about that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, well, Barb, we are, believe it or not, as I said, the fastest hour of the week. We're all at a close. Is, right? I know, right? <laughs> But what I want you to do is just tell the audience how they can stay connected with you, how they can get in touch with you if they want to use your services, they want to copy your book. Uh, give, us some, give us some information on how we can stay connected. Well, thank you so much and really appreciate the opportunity to tell you. It's just been great having a conversation with you this evening, so thank you so much. Um, so people can reach me. I have the, I have the blessing of having a, a brand name that... that I haven't found another Barbara Giamanco in the world. So on LinkedIn, I'm Barbara Giamanco. I'm at Barbara Giamanco on Twitter. Uh, our corporate website is scs-connect.com, and you can follow me on my blog at barbaragiamanco.com. I'm a big fan of the telephone, so feel free to call me at 404-647-4925 or love emails as well. And it's just Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, dot giamanco g-i-a-m-a-n-c-o at s-c-s hyphen connect dot com and if you really want to make it easy ty they can just google my name or bing my name and they'll find me okay excellent well thanks again for for being on the show and like i said you can count on being back uh the synergy was amazing uh it 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 was just good conversation, just like we were having a conversation and the audience just got to listen in on what we were talking about. So thank you very much, Barb. <laughs> well, thank you. It just really goes to show that you're a, you're a, you're a skilled interview. And, and at the end of the day, I hope even just our conversation, Ty, demonstrated to people, this is how you sell. You get to know people. You, you learn a little bit about them. You ask relevant questions. And you pay attention to the answers, and you care about what you're doing makes a difference in their world. All that stuff comes back around. And old-fashioned as it may seem, you know, uh, give to receive is part of my mantra. I think the more that you give to people, the more it comes back to you in spades. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, hey, thanks again, everyone, for out there for listening. Tell others about the show. Uh, let me hear from you. Let me know, hear, hear your thoughts. Also, write Barb and let her know that you appreciate her being on the air, okay? Uh, always check out my, my website. We have, and you want to have a copy of Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. Also, in your reference library is a must-have. And we're going to continue to bring you top-shelf guests just like Barb. But in the meantime, until next week, 
forget patience. Let's sell something. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. Ty Maynard will be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to you joining us then. In the meantime, forget patience, let's sell something.